everyone. Thank you for joining us. You are now tuned in to Trish Chat, a series that promotes meaningful dialogue around identity, culture, and real-life stories. We are your hosts, Steph and Jess, and everything you'll hear in our episodes are based on personal experiences. Make sure to tune in every Monday to hear our latest episodes. Hi, everybody. My name is Steph, and I'm here with Jess, and today we have a special guest, Marion. Hey, guys. Hi, Marion. Um, so we met Marion when we like first moved to uh, San Francisco. We've been blessed. We've been blessed. We're very lucky. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag, <laughs> Hashtag how do we get so lucky? Um, and we've just been like good friends since. And um, Marion, Jess, and I, I would say, come from similar socioeconomic backgrounds. And we talk a lot about um, the idea of building generational wealth, uh, but also. Uh, talking about like what are the, the careers um, that we want to go into and the role that passion um, plays in that. So today's episode is focused on that, is focused on um, the tension between building generational wealth um, and finding a career um, that you're passionate about. So we're going to have a conversation about that. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. But first, Marion, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so thank you guys for having me here today. I really appreciate um, being on the show and sharing a little bit about my story. Um, so about myself, um, Marion Araque. So my family immigrated, my parents immigrated from Colombia. My mother immigrated over when she was in her early 30s. Uh, no English to visit her best friend. She couldn't get a visa. Um, and so she just made it the way people make it, just for a visit. And my father came over when... I would say over in middle school um, and they met here and the rest is history. Uh, so basically I'm first generation um, college going student um, and a lot of this journey to where I am today has been learning and navigating how do I get to where I want to go and what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, my mother, what I really noticed, I grew up in a single parent household Uh, My mom was always my mom and dad, and her biggest job was always making sure that we had food on the table, a roof over our head, Um, and always with that idea that education is important um, and college is important. Mm -hmm. Um, But the how-to was never really discussed. It's just like, Mm -hmm. you're going to school, and that's what we're taught, right? You go to school, you get good grades, um, never anything below a B minus, um, and doing your best. Mm And so I was very lucky that my mother noticed and realized that in this country, a zip code can predetermine someone's, um, or how is it that they say it? A zip code predetermines a child's future. Yep. Um, And so for me at a lucky age, I was born in New York, uh, Port Chester, New York, and right over the border in Greenwich, Connecticut, uh, one of the wealthiest cities, towns um, on the East Coast where billionaires live. I got to go to that public school, and I think that very much changed the directory that um, I was supposed to be on as a Latina, um, as first gen um, in the world that we live in today. Um, And so a lot of my growing up, I was lucky that I went to a public school where it was very diverse. You had low-income students mingling with students with rolling in wealth um, and everything and anything in between. Yeah. Um, So from both ends of that ladder. 
And what I had, what I didn't realize then that I know now is just being able to go through that journey and really learn how to navigate different classes, different groups of people, different classness, whiteness, how to blend into whiteness. Uh, Fortunately for me, with my mother and my mother's support, education was always, you know, at the brink of her forefront. And so I was very much pushed into these honors courses. And as I went through high school, um, I was pushed on the honors track. And that changed the kind of rooms I was in, the kind of classes and the people I was uh, surrounded by. Uh, Most of my classes were full of white students. Um, But realizing now is that those students come from a class and a space where it's an unspoken expectation and these, these, these norms and these rules that we're not all taught if we're not part of this 1% cloud mm-hmm. or 5% cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very much around that and I didn't know it. So um, I very much remember senior year, um, I got into Syracuse University and my friend group had shifted from the ninth grade to um, to my senior year because I was pushed into the honors track. You know, I had my my so-called white friends who I played soccer with and who yeah. I had AP courses with, honors courses with. And then I had my friends from middle school who weren't on the same track for yeah. whatever those reasons were. And they happened to be black and brown. Yeah. Um, and I started to bounce around between these two groups and I would get very much ostracized from both of them. You know, my, my people from middle school would be like, oh, you're too good for us why don't you go with your white friends like mm. you're really goody tushy um and then my white friends were like oh show me your ghetto ways like we want to learn more from you what is that like and um it was very much like learning how to be a chameleon um yeah. learning how to navigate talk the way that i'm supposed to talk and say the things i'm supposed to say depending on the group of people that i was around which is such a valuable skill in today's world yeah and especially in a white prominent world uh where we're very much putting ourselves into white institutions yep. as professionals um, and so that skill, I'm so blessed to have, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely will never forget senior year, I get into college, um, and all of my friends and this kind of like the students I went to, I had classes with, um, they all went to Ivy's. And mm-hmm. so when I got into Syracuse, I was kind of ashamed. I was ashamed that I was going to not an Ivy League tiered school and that I was just going to Syracuse. Um, but that the decision came down as financial aid. They gave me almost the full ride and it was one of the best decisions that I made. Um, but there was shame because I was comparing myself to these classmates um, and not realizing where they were coming from and where right. they started right. um, and the implications of that. Right. That's real. Mm-hmm. That is so real. And to, like just where your mom was right like coming to this country and the fact that you went to an elite private institution with like almost everything paid that's amazing that's a huge accomplishment yeah but it's what you're never told right i think we were a public school um 700 students per grade guidance counselors probably had caseloads of 200 i don't know 100 students um so when you talk about working with first-gen black and brown students um, in from low-income communities. These are the unspoken things that we're not told. And when we, are, we're talk, we talk about assets, the assets that we bring, um, we're always put down. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, that is why I didn't know what I know now about like, oh my God, you did so well. I went to this white institution and I killed it, right? Like I, yeah. I got out, I graduated, I got my degree. Um, but because of that, 
public school education that I got where I got to mingle with others who were different from me from different social economic classes, that gave me the toolkit to really go on to the next step into college mm-hmm. and be successful and learn how to continue navigating um, and learning how to adapt to different situations and scenarios um, and also learning the unexpected, those rules, those rules we never talk about mm-hmm. from the importance of networking. Um, the importance of asking for help, which as a community, I think we can definitely say it's something we don't do well and works very much against us. And something that always triggers me is like, I have seen time in and time out till this day. Even last week, um, I was at a networking event. Man, these white people be coming in and they have no problem going right up to you. Oh, you know the recruiter? Oh, you know the HR manager at this company? Can you connect me? Here's my card. Here's my LinkedIn. And here's my number. Um, but how many times do we do that and leverage our networks and ask for that kind of help? Because that is how they're getting through these doors and continuing. And those are the skills that we just don't, we don't talk about. We don't learn or we learn the hard way. Mm -hmm. It's not taught explicitly, but I definitely think it's part of like this clout. If you're in a certain circle, you know that that's something you do to move forward. Um, and just culturally speaking, I think it goes against some of our cultural values and that's something that skill set of learning how to navigate this white culture, this white world, and learning how to get ahead. And those are the little building blocks that lead us to that. Absolutely. I mean, even just like being bicultural and and like within the Latinx community, or I guess specifically within the Dominican community, and for my family, it was like, if you work hard, you will be successful. And that mentality of like having a really strong work ethic being respectful, putting in the work, delivering something that looks great and being able to move ahead. And the reality is that, yes, like if you work really hard, you will get places, but you won't get as far as knowing the right people and asking for what you want. And we are not taught that because it's like, no, like it kind of feels like icky doing that Mm -hmm. because it makes it feel like, oh, I'm not coming from a place of integrity. If I say, hey, can you connect me with the recruiter? Or if I go to that person and I'm like, you work at this company that I'm very interested in working at. Can you tell me more about the company? Can you tell me more about the role? Just networking in general, I think feels very um, unnatural um, for our Mm -hmm. communities because of that. And it does hold us back because... We're like, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to work hard because we don't know how to speak And then I'm going to, I'm going to work my way up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that very much correlates with generational wealth. What does that mean? And what does it look like? It's these things we're talking about, right? It's understanding the cultural, our cultural values and holding them for what they're worth, but also understanding how they can hold us back yeah. and learning that white culture that we're trying to navigate and move ahead in. I think that's a toolkit that if you're born in a, you know, in a very privileged household, I mean, majority of it may may look white, may not, um, you know, this is taught from the day one, from the get go. Yeah. Um, And this is something we're learning. I'm learning now at 30 um, that I have learned. And this is something I definitely want to pass down to the students that I work with, um, to my children and to my peers, because even my peers don't know this. We don't talk about these things. Um, and something that I think you, you hit on too, is like this false loyalty that we have to employers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, 
and how much that holds us back. It's like, no, we should be grateful for this job, but yet we are being oppressed day in and day out. And that's really having implications on our mental health. Right. Um, and feeling like we can't leave because we feel like we owe something to the big person upstairs when actually it's almost like slavery, modern day slavery, but we don't call it that because that's an ugly word and that's not what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just, um, I think you hit on it earlier. It's like we have to code switch, right? Like the way that you speak, the way that you act, the fact that um, as people of color, we are um, overly formal um, in our work spaces because we don't want to be looked at as ghetto or loud or aggressive, right? And the, the understanding that code switching takes a lot on your brain. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, having to code switch, having to navigate with the microaggressions, having to, mm -hmm. on top of all that, do your actual job, which is hard. And then coming home at the end of the day and trying to just like live your life yep. is, can be a lot. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it, it can be difficult. Um, I know that we talked about like um, the work ethic that our parents instilled in us. I also want to talk about what the conversations looked like with um, your mom and, and for, for with your mom, Jess, and you know, with my parents in terms of like, did you talk about career? I know that for me, like we talked about college and like that was just, that was the path. Like there was no other option but going to college. But what were conversations like around career and career path and and a job whatever job you would take or industry that you would work in yeah you know even till now I feel like I've never been good enough for my mom she always wanted more um I think something for her I don't know where it came out but like being a lawyer mm. or working for the government mm -hmm. um I wanted to be a diplomat at some point and then yeah. I realized that that wasn't the path for me um, but very early on, it was just like getting to college, getting to college and college was a ticket. Um, but there was never the how to, the only how to was getting A's and B's in school. And yeah. that was it. Um, and I think that's where we kind of fell behind. I had to learn the hard way of like what else it takes, right? Getting experiences, internships, networking, yeah. um, leveraging your network. What does that mean? And how, what yeah. does it look like? Um, and understanding the game, this game that we are playing, it's a very white game. Um, yeah. and so as a person of color, how do we navigate that? What does that look like? Um, and my mom didn't have that knowledge that how could she, mm -hmm. right? I was also navigating this American system, a right. school system that my mother could not support me in. All she could support me in was morally, right? Yeah. That moral support, like having my back, making sure I was being fed and there was a roof over my, 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 my head yeah. and her trusting that the education that I was getting was going to get me to the next step, right. which it did. Right. Uh, but not without, you know, some tribulations here and there. Yeah. Um, but what doesn't kill you builds character. Yeah. Um, makes you resilient. But I think in terms of like the explicitness, it was very much getting the grades um, and getting into college. But then what about after? No conversations. It was just expected to get that job. Mm -hmm. And so that was always a pressure. But how do you get that job? What does that job look yeah. like? And eventually, I mean, I thought it, yeah, the diplomat route. So I studied political science, um, policy, and IR in at Syracuse, the undergrad. Um, halfway through my junior year, I realized I don't want to do this. Yeah. But how can you possibly turn back and look to your parents and say, I might do another year. I need to switch tracks because this is not what I want to do. Mm -hmm. That is unacceptable. Yeah. Um, and so much shame and guilt around it. You just got to continue doing it. 
And at that point, just like, I have to get a degree. I have to get out of, you know what? I have to graduate with a degree and that's the most that matters. And I'll figure out yeah. where I can get that, that job, whatever yeah. that job looks like. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think I would agree with you in that for my parents, it was very much about like, get the grades, like go to a good school, work really hard, produce good work. Um, and there was like some unspoken stuff that like didn't come up until like their expectations didn't come up until like we were in the situation where like I went to the Dartmouth, which is a liberal arts school. And I had always told my parents that I wanted to go into marketing. Like that was the career that I wanted to pursue. And they were like, okay, fine, whatever. And I went to a, a liberal arts school. So like I, there was no marketing major. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to major in econ. And so I, I go to Dartmouth and I'm like, econ, like, I don't want to major in econ. This is boring. Like these sociology classes are amazing. And I think it's like the, the mindset of our parents, which is like, whatever you major in is what you're going to end up working in. And so when I was like, Hey, like I'm, I'm a sociology major. My mom was like, what are you supposed to do with that? <laughs> right? Like it was that, that thing of like, I, I I, I live in a different country for you. And like, what are you going to do with that? Because we know that social workers aren't paid a ton. Mm -hmm. And then when I graduated, I, I took a job in education that was paid for through a grant. And so when I was like, I got a job, I'm going to make like $35,000 a year. My mom looked at me and she was like, that's not much more than what I make in a year. Like I could see the disappointment in her face because it was like, you just put in all this work. I just put in all this work and that's how much money you're going to make. And so it's, it's that like, they don't say like, you need to get a job that pays you a lot of money and that you're going to like give you, it's going to give you that status. But it's when you go and you're like, I'm pursuing my passion. I'm going to work in education and it's paid for it through a grant. And I'm going to be working with like my community. And it's like, that's how much money you're making. That's not a lot of money. Yeah. and just like the disappointment and you're just like oh I have failed that's so funny that you mentioned that um I think karma hit me in the face real quick I remember saying my mom was like I think you're gonna be a teacher one day and I looked at her as like ma please I can do way better than that <laughs> and guess where that brought me I was I needed a job and teach for America was an opportunity that came to me um and so blessed that I went through that and yeah. figured out what I what it is and that I wanted to do in this passion um but yeah, that was that was my saving grace. And that was like, at least I can say I graduated with a job and yeah. that I have an income coming in. It was like 40, I think, 40 yeah. a year um, in Fall River, Massachusetts. Um, but little did I know that I really much fell in love. I think I found something that clicked with me, yeah. um, which I would have never expected. Um, mm -hmm. I love teaching in the classroom, but that's when I also noticed I didn't like the constraints that yeah. came in with education. I couldn't teach the students that I was teaching what I thought was really valuable, yeah. life skills. Let's talk about what it's like to grow up in America as a black and brown student. Mm -hmm. um, my hands were tied. Um, I wasn't allowed to do that. I wasn't even allowed to speak to my students. They were all from different countries. Most of them were from Puerto Rico, so Spanish speaking. Yeah. 
I legally was not allowed to speak to them in Spanish because that was considered illegal. Wow. Um, and so taught. And so for me, that, that definitely hit a chord for me. It's like, this is not okay. And this is supposed to be supporting our students and educating them when yeah. I can't even do it in their native tongue. And so I think that definitely aligned with some of my core values of just like the importance of community and just justice, right? Like yeah. just working with students and families who have less than and creating access for them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just a lot of things happening there. Yeah. 100%. What about you? Did you talk about like careers? No, I think it's mom? the same thing both of you just said. I, it, education was always important to my mom. She was... She would always say, so I was raised by a single mom. Um, she would always say, people can't take an education from you. She's like, I don't care. Like, she would say, I don't care what you do with, yeah. like, your life in general, regardless of career. Like, you will never depend, this is when she thought it was straight, on a man. <laughs> <laughs> you will never depend on a man to provide for you. Education is going to allow you to do more for yourself and I she said that maybe once or twice but it really stuck with me and so I always just thought to myself like okay I have to get an education because yeah. you know for my mom I think why she says that is because she never got to finish college yeah. you know she went for maybe a year or two that she got pregnant with me um and I think that's something that weighs heavy on her mind um and so for her children she's like you have to do more you know I provided this for you do more um no, we never talked about what I would do. Like, she never was like, you have to be a doctor. You have to do this. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer at one point, a sports agent, like a lot of different things. And she would just be like, okay, how do you, how do, you do that? Because she didn't yeah. know how to. And so I'm like, well, it seems like I have to take this route. And I was on the sports agent route for quite some time because I was a big sports person. And I knew yeah. at, at, at one point or the other, I figured I wasn't going to make the WNBA. Um <laughs> So I was like, okay, I can represent people. And then it was like law school and all this stuff. I'm like, do I want to do this? Um, and so, yeah, I don't think I really kept track communicating with her on what I wanted to do because I still think I was I was trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was the one thing that she just said, I, I don't care. Just get an education and then the rest is whatever. But kind of to your point, talking about like – the jobs you take and yeah. like the guilt and all like being feeling disappointment. Um, my first job out of college, I, I, I worked on a trading floor in Greenwich, Connecticut. <laughs> Shout out to Greenwich. <laughs> um, probably, I think it's like right by where you lived, yeah. isn't it, Airman? Yes. That's so yes. freaking crazy. Um, it paid a lot of money. Uh, my mom knew how much money I made and you know, I took the job to pay off my student debt. And once I did that, I was out. I was just like, it's done. And I went to go pursue my passion uh, to jump back into like the events and sporting uh, sports industry. And my mom couldn't understand it. She was like, why are you leaving that job? Like, why are you leaving money, uh, money on the table, basically? And I was like, I'm not happy there. I really want to follow my passions. And like, she was fine at the end, but you could see the disappointment in her. She, you know, and, and, you know, to her credit, like, I know for her, she just wanted me to have a good life. She wanted me to be able to support myself yeah. and, you know, support her eventually. Right. Um, and so I felt really like bad when she felt, you know, when she said that, 
Um, I've since worked my way back up, luckily. But um, yeah, it's just this, you want to make your parents proud. You understand that they sacrificed a lot for you. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like you do feel guilty, like following your passions and doing the things you want to do. Because it's like, should I be doing this? Like my mom came from another country and she had these two kids and she raised them by herself. And like, she never finished school. Like maybe I should be taking these really high paying jobs. Who cares if I'm not happy? Like, you know, like I'm sure she didn't want to be doing the same thing for like all these years. Um, but yeah, so I, I had to navigate that on my own and figure out what is it that I really do like and navigating how to network. Um, coffee chats what are you asking like and how do you ask these things right like and I think there's a sense of pride in that in our culture right not asking other people for things um and so I I'm still kind of learning that but I I think that moving out here has really made me step outside of my comfort zone and and realize that no I gotta play this game because I gotta make it to the top and I gotta work twice as hard so yeah Hmm. I got to do this, even if it's like in my pro, it it has nothing to do with my pride at this point, but it's like, I have to do it to survive. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about, um, the first jobs out of college. You kind of talked a little bit about other jobs. Um, I want to touch on how have your career goals changed over time and how have these conversations with parents or these expectations that we have given that all three of us are first gen, how has that impacted the way in which you see your career and those goals? Yeah, I I think a lot about this American dream and what our parents want for us. Um, But I don't think we've ever, I personally have never had that explicit conversation with my mother about like what she thinks is good for me and what she wants for me versus like what I want. Yeah. Um, And maybe that's a conversation we do need to have. Um, If you look at my resume, every two to three years, I'm bouncing around because Mm -hmm. I'm not happy. Something Mm -hmm. is not ringing with me. Um, And my mother's biggest push is like, why don't you just stay in one job? Mm -hmm. Like, keep play safe. And I'm like, no, mom, I'm not happy. She's like, well, like, you know, just like I pray to God every night. Like, I pray that you and your boss are getting along. You know, I'm praying for you. Just be grateful. And I always want to say it's not that I'm not grateful. It's like I also know what what I'm worth. Mm-hmm. and I'm not feeling that but that's such a privilege to say to my mother who has cleaned houses from the yeah. get-go and babysat um and was t- when she asked to be put on the tax income bracket to be at, you know to be able to um report her taxes her employer is like no I'm not gonna do that you know and my mom's like I'm just trying to be a good citizen I'm just trying to pay my taxes but no one's like putting me on yeah. um And so I think about that a lot now, like this privilege of me saying like, you know what, I don't like where I am, but I have all these other opportunities Um, and be, and I'm grateful for that. And she really highlights that for me. But I think she's sometimes right. We're from different generations. It's a different world today um, where we are able to jump around because of the educations that we have, um, all the degrees we've worked for. It now gives us a different jump board. Mm-hmm. Um, that our parents will never know, but hopefully can learn through us. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I think for me, 
I've just, as I've gotten older, I've realized like I really love creating access pipelines to communities of color yeah. where I came from. It's it's not fair that a uh, zip code predetermines a child's future. And yeah. so how can we build these access points for them? And, that, and like, how can we create that impact and change? And so I'm taking that with me as I'm currently in the middle trying to figure out what is that next you know, next move that I'm making. Yeah. I love education. I love supporting our families. I love, you know, growing and developing my team um, and making sure that we're doing the best that we can for the students. Um, but I've been so busy worrying and taking care of everybody else where I haven't really focused on taking care of me and my family, my mother. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, education has its ceiling. It doesn't it doesn't pay for me. I can hardly make, you know, I'm doing well and I'm blessed with what I have today. But if I want to have children, if I want my mother to be taken care of because yeah. she's still cleaning houses till this day and she's in her 60s and I want to be able to tell her, mom, no, like I got you. I can give you, you know, a monthly salary. What yeah. do you need? What is it that you want? Yeah. Um, and I can't do that right now. And it, it yeah. kills me and it hurts me because she's done so much to give me what I have and be privileged to make that move to the Bay, yeah. which has opened my eyes. And I think the biggest thing the Bay has taught me, and I think of this metaphor all the time, like as an athlete, you know, I, I grew, I played soccer, water polo, and in every like sports team. Yeah, I we played, really were from Greenwich, Connecticut. <laughs> water polo. Water I don't even, I don't even know what that is. Pinky up. I but, don't even know what that is. <laughs> I, I swam for 12 years, okay? Yeah. Like I said, like I said, oh, I am a product of my environment, yo, and I'm ever blessed. Bro, we from the hood. Why don't, you drop, why don't you drop a line and tell us what water polo is so Steph can understand? Well, there are no horses involved <laughs> and no colored shirts. Um, you're in the water, and it's like soccer in the water. You can't touch the bottom of the pool. And then, you know, you just got to know how to swim. That's very important. That's the whitest um, shit I've heard today. What the? But, hey, it's open doors. No, I'll tell you that. I love it. I love that. it. I'm just, do you put, have that on your resume still? Unfortunately not. It's not um, something that Yo, that's gonna be that's going to be the new banger on your LinkedIn. <laughs> Add another line. Educator, water polo. <laughs> no, interest. Oh water God. polo. Water polo enthusiast. There we go. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I can't. Sorry, I had to no interrupt shape. and, and interrupt that. No, I hear that. This, I know. I know where I come from, and I'm very aware of all the doors and the privileges I have been granted. Yeah. And that's definitely a big one. That's why I hate saying I'm from Greenwich. No, man. It, I, just, it, I mean, it, I just it, learned something new. No. <laughs> Stuff's like, I grew up kicking a can on the street. <laughs> I just, <laughs> and yeah, and it was when I was in school, and I'm still like, what, what's water? What is, what is even polo? Like, right? Like, yeah, you, I don't understand how you don't know what that is. You know what? We should go to a polo game, and then a water polo game, and then we can talk. What is polo? <laughs> so like, I have one skate. I used to roll a skate on one skate. I used to roll a blade, okay? I was a, I'm a rollerblading enthusiast. I'm putting that on but my LinkedIn. But you have one skate. So it was like no, skate. I had two, okay? You were so messed up. <laughs> Oh man! I'm sorry. Oh my god, I'm crying. Oh okay, my gosh. you were talking about a metaphor and being an athlete. Yes. Okay. So back to playing sports. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So what I think, like, if you guys have played sports before, it's like even though, like, as the underdog, and you know, you're about to go play like one of the the best teams in the league, mm -hmm. um, it always seems that you always play your best game. 
Mm-hmm. That, like that's one of the most memorable games and you may have lost and but you played your heart out and you and your team knows that you did the best that you can do yeah um and so you know you you do everything that you can do to level up to that game and yeah. you give it to them you give it to them hard and like they've also had to work for that win and they feel yeah. like dang that wasn't an easy thing to get yeah um and so how I compare that to myself it's like okay I'm in the bay and I'm starting to see all this wealth I'm hearing and yeah. learning all about tech I'm learning about the Silicon Valley. And now I'm here and I'm ready to level up. And what I've noticed is that education is not going to level me up. So being an educator, unfortunately, working for nonprofits is not going to level me up to where I want to be. I want my kids to go to great school. I want to have the opportunity to have my kids to go to a Menlo school, a Crystal Springs, which is like 40K a year. I want that. I want them to have that. I want to have that choice. Mm. Right now, that's not a choice. Um, That's not even on the radar because I can't I can't afford that. And that's yeah. frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. I want to know that I can also have my mom have a, buy her a house over there. Maybe not in Greenwich, <clears throat> maybe somewhere in Connecticut, a little bit more affordable. Mm-hmm. But right, I want to have that choice. And I want to know that I can take care of her. Yeah. Um, and so that has really helped sh- shift everything that I've learned. But I am ever so grateful for the journey of going through education, learning everything that I have learned, the leadership skills, um, and really being able as I learn all of these unspoken tools and skills, being able to teach that, but then also how do I launch myself and how do I take what I have and launch myself into this other direction as I think about generational wealth and what I want to do. Yeah. Um, So it's definitely, it's still a journey. I'm still figuring it out, but the power of networking um, that has helped me kind of think more about, learn about venture capitalists. So all I've heard is that there's a lot of money involved. And what I've learned now is like how they get that money and the networks they're a part of and the schools that they go to, the places that they frequent, the people that they know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, it's like, how do I leverage my skill set and level it up to the next level? Mm -hmm. Like, I know I have a solid foundation. It's gotten me to meet you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Also meeting um, different people from different parts of the world who are here um, and learning from them. Um, There's a great quote or saying, you are the average of the five people you hang out with. Yeah. And I'm really looking at my circles. It's like, who am I spending time with and how are they like really helping me grow to the next level? And how can, how am I supporting them? Yeah. And how are we like, are we ambitious and how are we driving each other and pushing each other? And if we're not, then is this part, is this worth worthy of my time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that value is not always monetary, but it's just like, you know, the conversations that you're able to have the depth, um, and the growth that you do. And that really helps shape, has helped shape me in terms of like the path that I want to take where I know it's like, I'm ready for the next move and I'm ready to take my passion for impact and creating access into the tech space, into the venture capital space, um, Mm -hmm. and figuring out what that looks like. So I think you started touching on this already. Um, so maybe Jess, you can touch on it too and I can speak to it, but it's the idea of how do you reconcile um, a goal of building generational wealth with a goal of like pursuing a career that you're passionate about or even like staying in touch with your communities, right? Because I started my career in education as well and I was really passionate about that, but it, I wasn't making a lot of money. And, you know, going, I was very fortunate to like work my way into tech and now living a lifestyle where I have the privilege to like, go on a nice vacation, like 
have time off, have amazing benefits. And I want to continue to like, you know, reap those benefits. But at the same time, I also want to make sure that I don't become this person that is just all about like money. Right. And I don't want to turn my back on my community. Right. Like I don't want to be one of those people that's just like, I need to make it for my family to build generational wealth. And, you know, I am the only one in the room, but then I never like reach my hand out to help other people or to like help students who look like me, who were me, who might think like the only way for me to make money is for me to become a basketball player or for me to um, become an engineer when it's like, no, you have, you have this particular set of skills. Like there's a lot of jobs in tech that you can take. There's a lot of jobs in many other industries that you can take that will provide you the access to build generational wealth. This is what they look like. Yeah. And I'm still struggling with that because it's like, yeah. how do you, how do you reconcile all of that? Yeah. So trying to answer your other, your question previous. Cause there's like seven. <clears throat> yeah, no, but like my career has kind of gone and this, it's kind of been everywhere, but I think it just depends on where you are in your life. Right. So if you think about, I'm still in my twenties. I'm hanging out with some older folk right now. First of all, wow. you're about to be 30 in a few months. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, but not really. Um, in the beginning, I mentioned, right, like I took a job because I I had student debt, right? Yeah. I had, like for me, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be able to live and survive, have my own apartment, I need to pay this off, right? right? So shout out to me for like, acknowledging that i mean yeah. like okay shout out to you yeah, having that like yeah, yeah. No, I'm that that's a very that mature shouts out. <laughs> i'm the one that shouts out myself i'm like that type of person but yes that's i'm looking back on it and i'm like wow that was probably the smartest thing i've ever done um except except my review yes yeah. okay um <laughs> <laughs> so taking that job and saying okay first step is paying off this debt Mm-hmm. then it's like okay now I can afford to be a little bit of poor right and then I start getting into this yeah. I'm like working my way back up I'm like I'm really loving my job I grew a lot but then you start being like okay I'm not making a lot of money here <laughs> I yeah. can't do the things I want to do so how do I what's next after this right and you know Marion talks about like moving to the bay and how like it's a different world out here it is right a very diff- it's yeah. a different like, it world you see a you, lot of wealth it slaps you in the face yeah. Like if you're not part of this tech culture and you come in here and you're like, okay, I have some events experience in the nonprofit in the nonprofit world. <laughs> How do I sell this? Right. Mm-hmm. So moving here without a job, I was like terrified because <clears throat> it's all tech. And I'm like, I, I have to figure out how to sell this to them in a way where it's like not not just give me a chance because like I, I belong here because I know I belong here, but also like see my value the way I see me right yeah. um so now that I got into the tech world um and I'm older it has shifted my career goal now yeah. it's like I want to work somewhere that sees me for me yeah who has values who stand for something uh, who's progressive and <clears throat> you know gives back to the community and all that but I also want you to pay me very well yeah. And luckily, I think I have that kind of, I'm in a good spot right now. I don't know if that'll be forever. Um, but you're talking about like the generational wealth thing and how to make sure like, how are you building yourself up, but also not forgetting about your community. And I think there's small ways for you to do that. Not necessarily that they're going to fill your cup always. Yeah. Um, but something small, like 
our family was here and our nieces are in high school and they're almost at their junior year where they're going to start looking at colleges. And I was like, I want them to see the lift offices. Not because I love where I work, because I do, but I want them to see that this could be their life. Right. I want them to give them this access so they can walk through mm-hmm. here yes. and see that could be you. Yeah. This is where the engineers sit. This is where marketing sit. Here's where creative sit. Let's explain what those things are. Right. Right. So giving them that access, because I didn't have that access. Right. Like I didn't go into these different spaces and like that's just that was just the way it was. Those were my cards. Or taking I get hit up a lot on LinkedIn for like coffee chats from people, like people, younger people who are trying to break into either tech world or vents or whatever. And I and I take those. Yeah. I take those in. And um I guess it's a mixed bag, but you know, there's there's people of color in there and I and that's I feel like for me that's my way of giving back. Yeah. Um also taking some of your wealth the the money you're making and like voting with your dollar and like absolutely giving organizations you mentioned you had given to an organization a few weeks ago and like that's the way you do it um but we were talking the other day and I think I'm at a point in my life now where it's like okay I'm making a little bit I'm making some good money I need to be smart with this I'm tired of paying these bay rent prices so now I have to reassess what do I what is important to me how do I gain more of that like rent money I'm giving out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to start eating out less, not because I can't afford it, yeah. but because I'm like, I'm paying a lot of money in this. This could be going towards my, my wealth. Yeah. And we were in New York the other day and we were like, we were talking about like property and all this stuff. And I just had this like, it, yeah, it was just like, I had been talking to like a realtor about brownstones and like my dream is always to own a brownstone. I just, I'm from New York, like, that just, like, screams New York to me. I'm, like, I, I want my family in it. Like, I want to, I just want to buy a bunch so my whole family can live in it. Yeah. And I told Steph, we were at brunch, and I was, like, I want to buy the block. Shout out to Nipsey Hussle. Shout out to <laughs> Nipsey Hussle. <laughs> right, I, I want to buy the block. I want to go, I don't care if I'm going in on these these houses with two people, with 40 people, but I'm going to buy these things. I'm going to teach people how to do these things and I'm going to buy the block so that not only am I teaching myself and building generational wealth, I'm now giving access to the, my people passing the skill set and passing yeah. the skill set because that's it. It's the how it's it the how and people touched upon and, yeah, and beginning. like, that's so important. And like, we all want this, right? We all want this. Yeah. We just need to come together and like put in the work right and and like what's your access like what's your skill set what's your toolkit like let's and surrounding ourselves around people like that right the five people um, yeah. and so i think that's where i'm at in my life where i have a career where i'm enjoying making good money now it's like now i need to start moving my money around now i need to start educating myself a little bit more of how i'm investing right like yeah. yes i have my 401k's yes i have all this stuff but now I need to diversify and start being really smart, right? Because yeah. I'm still in my 20s, like I said. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. I'm entering 30, and I want to be like, okay, I want to have a 10-year plan here. we got to right? throw a, a, a party for this line because it's retiring soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm still in my 20s. But to like Marion's point, like I want to be able to give my kids access to 
education yeah and even just like camps or sending them away for things or like traveling with them i wish i traveled as a kid like it's like those little things the that exposure, the yeah. exposure and just teaching our kids that it's it's it doesn't have to just be one thing um and so now is the time to really truly yeah. set yourself up for that and have these conversations like this um yeah and i think it's really important so that was my long-winded answer oh that was good yeah. Um, I guess the way that I would want to um, end the conversation is what advice would each of us give to someone who's listening right now and is considering, you know, I want to pursue a passion, but that passion may not necessarily generate a ton of income, but I really want to build this generational wealth. How do I reconcile that? I feel like Marion's going to drop a banger on this. She's about to drop some bangers right now. What, you, advice, would, what, what advice are we going to give to people like that? Well, Marin, you you know, you're educator and you're around these young minds who i'm sure are saying a lot of these things you tell us this stuff all the time and yeah i'm sure it's so like conflicting for you i feel like yeah i'm in the middle and i i was telling steph earlier it's like generational wealth let me tell you when that word popped into my vocabulary even onto my mindset and understanding what that really meant and yeah. it was like maybe three to four years ago Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's hard to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that also has to do a lot with like understanding just the basics of what is financial literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. You were talking about those building blocks, the how to, we don't talk about finances in our community. We don't, we don't talk about it. I am so open about how, when I talk to people, um, depending on who it is, young people, my, my peers, I tell them how much I make. I have zero problems. I'm very open. We need to be more open. You are not what your what your income is, and mm-hmm. we have to detach from that. Yeah. Um, and then being able to learn how to negotiate. Like, oh, you know your peers are making 10 Gs, 20 Gs, 30 Gs more than you? You need to be able to leverage that and be like, so I know this, and I need to be either be matched or, you know what, I'm going to be looking elsewhere. Absolutely. I have a group of people of color at where I work, and we share with each other like when we've moved internally, we share with each other, like at this level, this is what I was told that you can make. This is what I make at this level. This is like what the bonus looks like. This is just so that everyone is aware so that you can make sure that you're not being undervalued in any way. Absolutely. And so I think back to that, right? How are you going to networking events? How are you finding place? There are so many places, events, um, how to negotiate. There's, um, I, I mean, there's JobWell. I think there's like Lean in Latinas. They do yeah. these conferences and they talk about these things. They have experts. Um, and so for me, something that as I, as I make this pivot, I'm focused on financial literacy and how do I give back? Um, look, I'm right now interviewing with a couple of different boards, nonprofit boards. I'm going to have a seat at the table where I can make decisions and support that work, specifically yeah. in building financial literacy um, curriculum. But what I say, my advice to young people is like explore. I was like, you know what? I don't regret the journey of an educator. Um, I am blessed to have those, you know, what, eight to 10 years Yes, my bank account suffered, but this has now helped me kind of rethink what my next steps are. Yeah. Um, and it has made me very grateful and appreciative. Um, and when I think about giving back, I have all this network of different boards, different CEOs, directors, where I'm like, hey, I have friends who work at XYZ. 
let's do a field trip let's expose them yeah um and so i would just say it's the networking piece really leveraging and really putting yourself out there pushing yourself out of your comfort zone comfort level i think the bay has done that for us very well as coming from the east coast yep Um, but when you're from the west coast you know you're born in this what is that next step for you um so learning how to leverage that and finding what you really like um and so yeah i might be going into the profit world now and i'm really excited and and scared about it um but you know what i still have my connects i'm still gonna go back and give back yeah um find yourself a mentor find people who are older you know we're in our 30s so i think anyone younger than us come out seek (laughs) us out but that's not to say that we're not also seeking i'm always talking to different people who are in places where i want to go who are Mm -hmm. 10 20 years ahead of me um, and picking their brains. Yeah. Um, but it's how much are you willing to do the work? And it's work. Coffee dates, it's scary. It's like, oh, what do I ask? Mm-hmm. Come prepared. Mm-hmm. What do you want to know? Lay it out. Um, I think the more that we do that, creating these these, cir- these circles of people, of friends, creating safe spaces, and then just helping each other, being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it is starting about the finances. Okay, so what's that number? What mm-hmm. is the number that you want? Mm-hmm. Okay, now let's work backwards. Um, what are different things that you can do? Um, so yeah, I think really the network piece and finding who you can network with, who's there, who's done it, and how can you leverage their experience uh, while still going through your own journey. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, everything Marion said. I think that asking questions, a mm-hmm. lot of questions for your like your network is super crucial. Like the networking piece on that, and like. I'm trying to think back when I was like a teenager, like I had my, you know, one or two mentors and, but again, I didn't know what to ask, um, but I would be very vulnerable with them and being like, I don't know what to ask. Like, what do you think? And I really leaned into these people and I was like, look, I might sound silly for asking you this, but like, I, I need help. Like I need yeah. help. Um, and so really leaning in on the people that are there and are, are saying, I'm willing to help you. Tell me what you need. Because yeah. you, you can't tell somebody what they need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the, the what you just said about, like, what's that number and working backwards. I think that really puts, like, realistic goals for some people, right? Because if mm-hmm. someone's like, I want to make $150,000, but I want to be, like, a musician or something or try to make it. It's like, well, let's look at the numbers of how many, like, musicians are out there. Like, what are you doing to, like, get, like, you know, and things like that. And so who are you trying to support like for you know our communities a lot of the time yes. we're your we, parents retirement fund. we are a parents right. retirement fund and so although that was that's always in the back of my mind and <clears throat> that's that's something that like we need to think about right like we could fool around for so long and but we really need to be like okay if that's if that is the cards you were dealt and that's important to you and maybe that's not the right path for you. Maybe you can do that for a few years and, and get curious and like figure it out. But I think to your point, it's like it's important to kind of jump in there and try different things to understand what you do and don't like. Because I yeah. think there's still power in knowing what you don't like. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I would say just get curious, ask questions, find those mentors and put yourself out there. Like just and also know that it's going to be hard work right? Like you are going to have to hustle. Like it's not going to come to you. Like you have to go to those events. Maybe you're going to events by yourself and like, you just have to do it. 
You have yeah. to do it. You have to put yourself in those spaces in order to play the game. Yes. And if you're comfortable, then you're not in the right space. Get uncomfortable. Yep. I learned that just this year. So yeah. it took me a very long time. Yeah. And I will say that I have grown mentally um, in the last year just by being uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, what about you, Seth? I mean, I would say first remove um, societal timelines of when you need to do things out of uh, your head. Yes. Um, because I think that puts a lot of pressure and really like grays out your clear level headed, like, what do I want to do? Um, I heard, I, I don't remember who said this, but I heard someone say this and it was like, think about the lifestyle that you want to live and then pick a career based off of that. Um, right. So like uh, the power of like vision, like think about the life that you want to live 10 years from now. And, and maybe part of that is like, what is the number? And then work towards that, but also look at it as a long game. Think about um, specific industries that might lead you to that lifestyle. Like what sort of skills are required within those industries? Meet with people. Come up with a list of like, these are the skills that I don't have mm -hmm. that I need to build up and come up with a plan of how you're going to build those. But also understand that for some people, they don't have a ton of time because they don't have that privilege because they have a parent that's actually not working right now. Yeah. Um, and in those instances, like, you know, connect with people within your communities or people who may look like you, who may understand your different, like your perspective, um, who can, who work in industries where perhaps they're much higher paying and they can help you get into those industries, um, at least as a start. Um, in terms of like the generational wealth piece, I think that it's something that this is the like unfortunate thing that we're we're faced with is um, when you come from a certain socioeconomic background, so sometimes the passion and the building generational wealth do not intertwine. And you have to make a decision of, do I want pursuing my passion to be my full-time job and building generational wealth to be like my side hustle? Or do I want building generational wealth to be my full-time concentration? And my passion to be my side thing. Like, even before you do everything I said, perhaps you have to answer that question for yourself. Yeah, that's real. And I think what you just said, it kind of sparked and stop comparing yourself to other people. I think people get stuck on that. Like, talking about, like, timelines and things like that. It's like, it's timelines, well, yeah. you know, I went to school with this person and they're 27 and they have this beautiful, like, three properties yeah. and all this stuff. It's like, you get so stuck in that stuff that you prevent yourself from yeah moving forward and then also just going back to what I was saying you know I talk to a lot of like people who they want these big time jobs but they don't want to like actually go to these events or talk to these people they just think that like applying like they're gonna be like well this person got a job just applying yeah. but that's not you and yeah. if you want your best shot you you're saying you're hustling you got to go to these things. You you got to put yourself out there. Talk to people and and I mean, this might not work for everyone, but I I think for me I appreciate people who are real who are like, "Look, I want to build generational wealth or, you know, my parents or my parent isn't working right now and I want to be in a job where I can have some financial security. These are the skill sets that I have. I can't be an engineer, but like how can I fit within tech? Like what are some jobs that you think I should 
look at some skills that I should work on. And I'm willing to meet you where you are. Like, yeah, let, let's have a conversation and talk about that. Um, but I think it's about like just being honest about where you are and what you're trying to get out of your career at that specific moment in time. Yeah, and I think something too and underlying as I see the next generation um, growing up is this idea of social media and what social media glorifies. It glorifies the accomplishment and the success, mm -hmm. but it is not looked down at the how-to. And I yeah. think that that mindset is becoming so normative and it's so dangerous. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily, we're in that generation where we just missed that. Yeah. We didn't grow up in it in the way that students and people are growing up in yeah. it today. Um, so definitely thinking about, you know, what is your relationship with social, social media and really unpacking like, what are those subconscious thoughts that you're creating for yourself yep. based on how well you're doing or how not well you're doing? And why are you doing that? Where are these thoughts coming from? Um, I think those need to be, you need to be very real with you, really notice your engagement with it and how it's impacting where you are. Um, because it's not taught. We're, I know as an educator right now, we're talking with our team about how do we talk about the impacts, the implica implications of social media mm -hmm. on, on someone's mental health yep. and yeah. depending on their age range. Um, and I think that can definitely blur and not that's not going to help you succeed in getting to that end goal, whatever that end goal is for you. Um, so definitely keeping that in the back of your mind as you, you take care of yourself as well on this journey. And it's definitely not like, it's a long game, right? Yeah. Um, and I think in this society today, the long game is almost lost. It's not good anymore. It's like, how do I get there in six months? Uh, yep. It's this fast game. And it's like, Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. Um, and these generations growing up are not, they don't get that in the same way. And so I, I fear that this idea of success and the fastness is like what everyone chases, but that's not reality. Yeah, it's not. And I'm sure it like it uh it creates like a space where people are like, all right, looking at social media, then they're they want to build generational wealth, but their money's going towards like experiences or this FOMO that yes. people have, right? Like, I wanna build generational wealth, but I'm about to drop five G's to go to like Greece for two days and I'm like, Well, you ain't gonna build generational wealth that way, but like that's cool. If you were about experiences that's all good. That's all good. So yeah, I think that was so important you said that because I think it really influences the way people see the world, but also how they spend their money and their time. Yes, exactly. You got to sacrifice. You got to, yeah, that has to be part of the conversation just as much. So constantly resetting and being like, all right, is this tying back to my goal? Right. And that takes maturity. I know that yes. that, that does take maturity. And hard work. And hard work. And but hard work. It, if that's truly one of your goals, then like it'll pay off, you know? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> thank you, Marianne, for joining us. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, this is awesome. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Yes. Yeah, so since I'm so great on social media, JK, um, <laughs> I'm more of a LinkedIner. Um, yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Marianne Arake. Um, and yeah, that's basically where I'm hanging out right now. And then yeah. maybe in the future, we'll investigate the social media world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also Greenwich Times, uh, Marion. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. We will link that out to the newspaper. Um, <laughs> so we will um, follow us on trish.chat Trish um, and we'll be sure to um, include Marion's name so that if you want to look her up on LinkedIn, you can connect with her. 
Yes. yes. Thank you, Miriam, for being vulnerable with us. Absolutely. This is a great Thank conversation. Learned so much. Yeah. And I, I hope that some of your followers um, definitely hit me up for a coffee date or a phone yes, call. Yes, coffee um, or tea. Resource or tea. open. Yes. I'm, I'm all about the network and supporting our community. So don't be shy. This is my invitation to ask you to get out of that comfort zone. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. Awesome. I'm, I'm extending an invite as well. We haven't done that. We have an extended oh, invite. I'm, I'm extending an invite. I'm extending an invite on behalf of Jess as well. I'm available on Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> Only Tuesdays after nine. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, same here. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Later. Thank you. Bye. Until next time. Peace.